If you're seeking a website, logo, graphic designer, virtual assistant, or maybe you're starting a business or anything when it comes to business, personal, or social needs, consider doing business with us. We are ELI Solutions. We have the solution for you. Our website is wehavethesolution.org. Clutch by RGAA is powered by Building Rome. Building Rome, Inc. is a professional company that provides an array of services to freelancers, creatives, virtual hustlers, and business owners. For more information on hiring Building Rome, log on to the website at buildingromeinc.com. Once again, the website is buildingromeinc.com. Inc. dot com. Welcome to Clutch by RGAA, powered by Building Rome. All right, all right. It's almost TGIF, but not quite yet. This is Tawanda with Clutch by RGAA, powered by Building Rome. And, you know, the thing about life that I love is sometimes things don't always go the way we plan, but guess what? We have to work it out. Well, that's what women do anyway. So today we have a special guest on the line, and uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but it doesn't matter because we're going to still get done what we need to get done. And I want to tell you a little about her, just a little bit, and then she'll be able to share a little more. Our guest today is Kristen Boyle. And Kristen is a yoga therapist and somatic coach, and she'll tell you all about what she does and the rest of her story. I just want to make sure that she's back on the line so we can get started. Kristen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing today, lady? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty incredible. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome, awesome. Well, I definitely want to get into it and get started. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about who you are. Some people are hearing you again. Some people are hearing you for the very first time. So if you don't mind, just give us a little bit about your background, what you do, just a little bit as we get ready to get started. All right, so I am a yoga therapist and a somatic coach, and I know in our world um, that's kind of on the fringe right now. People say, what is a yoga therapist? I go to a yoga class, you know, but what's a yoga therapist? And, and I would say that we run the gamut between physical therapists and psychotherapists. And so what I really do and why I call it somatic coaching is um, I work with the body first, so rather than the story that we tell ourselves, but rather the body, um, which helps to quiet the mind. And then through working with the body, we start to become clear about what, what we need to do in life. Um, so whether we're dealing with anxiety or depression or trying to make a difficult decision or a transition in life, um, all of those things can be helped simply by learning some techniques and tools that help to quiet the mind and get really clear. Well, I know that's definitely something that's going to be that is needed, especially during such a time as this. And I really want 
to hear more about, you know, what the different things you actually do with um, with being a yoga therapist as well as a somatic coach. And I'm definitely not even familiar with a somatic coach. But one of the things, um, as I was saying to you a little earlier before the show got started, it's amazing in life how you meet different people through different types of forms. And one of the things I really love most about social media is, we get to meet millions of people all across the world, and people are into so many different things, and it's just really incredible. So I actually got the opportunity for those listening to our show to meet Kristen in one of our podcast groups, and I was talking about um, a, a session that we're looking to do um, a segment on just grief with different people that have had grief, experienced grief, how to handle it, and so on and so forth, and I actually met Kristen that way. And tell me, uh, tell us, Kristen, you mentioned that about some experience you had around the age of nine and now that you're a professional helping others. So if you don't mind, let's start there. Um, tell us a little bit about whatever happened at nine and, you know, kind of what led up from there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so in, in the work that I do, I don't think that I can ever separate it from my own personal experience and personal journey um, in helping others, because that always gives me insight and perspective to to what someone else might be experiencing. And so, yeah, and um, at the age of nine, I lost my daddy, and I call him daddy. He was my stepfather, actually, but came into my life very, very young, like maybe a year and a half, I think. And um, And so he really was my daddy up until age nine through all of those formative years. And that loss happened very quickly. He had liver cancer and really only six weeks from the time of the diagnosis until his passing. And even though I was very young, that was um, hugely impactful in my life and my perspective and how I moved forward from there. Was that like one of the first times you ever experienced such a great loss? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I'd, I'd had a great grandmother pass away, I believe, before that, um, and a grandfather who I didn't know very well. Um, but in terms of somebody being very close to me, yes, that was mm-hmm. um, that was the first time. How did how did like being nine, I know it's very hard to have deal with a loss being 25 or 29. So what were you told, you know, at age nine that your young mind could understand? Like, hey, this person, I love them. However, I'll never physically see them again. What was explained to you? Yeah, and, and you know, remembering back to age nine, um, my daddy was a minister and very, um, you know, very loving and very, able to talk about death, you know, and, and I remember we gathered the family together and actually did some recorded interviews with him um, that are really meaningful to listen to now. And I'm so grateful we have those because my childhood memories are so, you know, just little blips and pieces. Um, the, I do remember the night that he passed, um, my biological father was, was in town and he had taken me out to dinner and was dropping me back off. And at that point, the whole family was already gathered at the house and he had passed. And, um, and it was actually quite, um, you know, just to say tragic or traumatic for me even because the family was already there and 
so what I did was I ran back to my room and, and I hid for a while, you know, so I actually ended up isolating myself, um, even though the family was all there. And I remember my aunt came and got me and brought me back out um, and took me to go to go see him. Um, but in terms of the, the grieving process itself, I think it's so different as a child. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're so much more in the moment and not thinking about the long term. Right. And, and I remember for quite a while after um, my mom would refer to daddy in the past tense and I would correct her, you know, no, he's still with us. He's still here. And, you know, so I don't know if that was a part of my grieving process or a part of my belief that, that your loved ones never actually leave you. Um, but I, I do remember that quite vividly that I, I would, you know, I really didn't like anyone talking about him in the past tense for, for a very long time. You know what, that that is really interesting that you say that, Kristen, because honestly, sometimes I struggle when I'm talking about someone that's no longer with us in the present tense. So can you break that down a little bit? Like, of course, I understand the person is no longer here. However, at the same time, I feel like they are here, kind of, sort of, maybe their spirit is. I, I don't know, but can you... Can you break it down in reference to any, someone that's referring to a person that's deceased in the present tense? And knowingly, like, they're not here, but you're still talking about that way. So why why do we do that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's a part of us not, not ready to let them go. But um, a lot of it would come up for me when, when my mom would say things like, Daddy loves you very much. And I would say, no, Mom, he still loves me. You know, he's still with me. And um and I don't know if that's, you know, a childhood or a child mind kind of knowing and feeling that presence that our logical adult mind says, no, they're not here anymore. Um, but it was very impactful to me in, and maybe led me into this, you know, this path of, of becoming a yoga therapist in terms of um, we're never fully gone you know, from any mm-hmm. experience and we're never full, you know, we're all always connected. Now, let me ask you and this. To me, that before was we jump into, Yeah, and I know it's a, definitely a sign of comfort. Is it a sign of denial? Like if you have someone that a person mm-hmm. has, has passed away, they passed away two, three, four, I know you can't put a time frame on it, but if you're still referring to that person in the present tense, is that kind of a sign that, that, that you're not really grieving properly because you're not, it's not registering or? What's the, I don't yeah, want to say proper you, way, but. Proper way. Um, you bring up a really, really good point there. And and so to to go on with, with my story, um, this was the summer, this was 1984, um, and it was the summertime. I had just gotten out of school, and as my life was, I went to visit my biological father um, for summer times, and he was in town to pick me up. And so what really happened was, um of course, he was in town to pick me up for the summer. So we went on with plans as usual. So he actually took me away. And during that summer, the rest of my family, of course, grieved together, cleared out, you know, his belongings as part of my mom's process. And so by the time I returned home, you know, he was absent. And and so, yeah, when you say denial, maybe that is because being a child and being in the present moment removed from the situation where the family is actually grieving the deceased person, 
I was not able to engage in that in the same way. And so, you know, in, in a way, the childlike mind doesn't acknowledge that the person's actually gone until I went back to the situation. And, and so, yeah, it could have been a, a great deal of denial of, um, you know, no, I don't, I'm not ready for him to be gone yet, you know. And, and also, you know, just the family's ignorance of the child's grieving process you know, how was I, I mean, probably it would have been better for me to stay that summer and be a part of all of that. Um, but of course, the thinking was, you know, take me away and then bring me back into the situation. So I think you bring up a very good point to that. Okay. That definitely, that definitely makes sense. Now, over the years, and I know you had that traumatic experience at age nine, I'm not, did you become a yoga therapist and a somatic coach at the same time? Um, can you talk to us a little bit about both of them, but individually, because I want to know exactly what you do and what it actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I was a dancer, so I've always been in my body, you know, my entire life. I think it's been a part of my, my own process. And um, then I was in a, a car wreck at the age of 22 and that ended my dance career. And that's about the same time that I started to look for other modalities. And yoga was the first one that brought me to the same, um, same kind of experience of dancing where I felt like I'm in my body and, and my body just kind of became my guide and my safe place and um, my expression. And um, so that was in the early 2000s. 2007, I became a yoga teacher and I stayed on that path and in 2014, I went through a, a pretty traumatic divorce. And what happened at that point was I recognized how impactful yoga was, that it sustained me through a very dysfunctional marriage and um, also through the divorce process that was very, very hard. And it was a combination of my teaching and also practicing yoga. And so that set me um, just because of my, my personality is always seeking more. Um, so that set me on a course to find out, okay, if this is helping me, if this is working, then why and how? I want to know more. And so then I found a yoga therapy certification program, um, which is another 1,000 hours beyond the typical yoga teacher kind of program. And this particular program is really based on, on the somatics. You know, what are you feeling in your body right now? And it doesn't have to have a specific meaning. It's just noticing the sensations. Like, oh, I feel a, a tingling sensation in my right shoulder, or I feel tension in my lower back, or I feel a restriction in my breath. Like, all of that is just an invitation for us to dive a little bit deeper into what that is. Um, and so that both my study in the yoga therapy and receiving the work myself to get to the next step in my own healing journey. And, and so now I use that, I use all the skills that I've developed along the way to help others. Um, and, and it really does involve quieting the mind, getting rid of the story, because we all make up stories about things, you know, facts are facts, things happen, things are facts. And then we tell a story around it. And it's the story that brings in the drama. And the drama can bring anxiety or depression or anything in between. 
And so when we can realize what part of this is the story I'm telling and what part of it is actually what I'm dealing with, then we can start making a path forward. Um, And in terms of healing trauma, there's a lot of research out there now saying that true healing of trauma must involve the body in the process. So that's what I do. So a lot of times, and I know I'm not the professional in this, so I'm just on the outside looking in. A lot of times it seems like when people deal with grief, it's something people don't want to talk about. Hey, let's get through it, and then let's never talk about it again. This person doesn't exist, et cetera. So is that something with, like, with different clients you met and different people and things you've actually um, met with people? Have you found a lot of people that suppress certain things that's happened because they were taught or they just kind of felt like, I just need to ignore it like it never happened because that's going to help me heal faster? Yes, absolutely. I think I think we do that so often because we just we either have a mindset that we need to just move on or, and this is another big piece of it, is that we're not quite ready. You know, we're, the mind is just not not ready to take on the weight of what that thing is, you know, of the grief or the loss. And so we do things, you know, we, we do things to distract the mind, but we still need to work through the grieving process. And so one of the beautiful things that I find in the work that I do is, is if my client needs to talk and tell the story, then they're, of course they're, they're able to do that. But more often than not, it's just a quiet processing. There doesn't need to be any conversation or talk or even thinking about the, the grief or the loss but just being with the body. And um, a lot of those, the healing can happen without consciously telling the story. And so it can be a little bit like less re-traumatizing, that word. Um, Because sometimes, you know, if you've experienced something traumatic, including grief, loss, Mm -hmm. um, death, then going to a therapist and talking about it can be re-traumatizing and I think a lot of people avoid even going to therapy because I don't want to keep talking about this you know it's tiring it's heavy Mm -hmm. it's sad I don't want to cry you know Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so approaching it through the body can be really relieving because you don't have to go through all of that that makes sense now let let me ask you um, this because when I think about people that I've known that's passed away and just different interactions of how I dealt with it versus how somebody else made to. Can you talk about um, why it's healthy to grieve? Because I've met people that say they've never grieved before. What happens if you mm. don't grieve or do you grieve and you don't really understand that there's different ways you do grieve? So talk to us about that. Like what's a healthy way to really grieve? I mean, I know it's not one way, but and do people right, really right. just not grieve and is that healthy? Right. Um, so that this goes into a whole lot of um, of research that's being done now, and it, and it is still kind of fringe out there, but I think there's a, a real foundation to it. Um, in the nervous system, when we override that grieving process, like um, we put on the, the stiff upper lip or the happy face or um, – you know, we go into action mode or doing mode. It's, um, I call it extreme independence sometimes. Like, I'm going to do this and I can get through it, pull our way through. It's actually indicative of being in a, a hyper state of arousal in the nervous system. So if you think of sympathetic arousal and fight or flight, 
that's actually a state that you're living in, um, which means that your body is also producing and releasing hormones like cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And over time, you're going to deplete yourself, like your adrenals become depleted. Chronic fatigue can set in or chronic pain. Um, even things like fibromyalgia are being linked to childhood trauma. Um, things like uh, irritable bowel syndrome are being treated with anti-anxiety medication. I mean, so there, there are lots of links here to um, what happens in the body when, when we're working in a state of um, that's outside the range of equilibrium. And so there are three stages. One is uh, called vagal or ventral vagal, which is kind of your social engagement, equilibrium mode. Mm-hmm. Then there's sympathetic arousal, fight or flight. And then there's dorsal vagal, which is more a state of collapse, if you think of playing possum, or like how a mouse will play dead until the cat's done playing with it. And then it scampers off, right? But when we live in those extreme states too long, there are detrimental effects to the body. And I do believe whether it's still I use the word dis-ease um, or physical dis-ease. Something is going to set in over time. Okay. Let me ask you, um, I, let me go to break because I'll be asking you a million questions because this is really interesting <laughs> okay. to me. And, um, and, and it's important to me to be healthy. And, you know, and I, we got to take a break. But one of the things I want to say, Kristen, um, and I, I just want you to share with anyone that's listening if if someone has lost a loved one, I have actually my partner, she recently lost a grandmother last week, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, and she was saying that her husband mm-hmm. had, had suffered a major loss uh, about four weeks ago. I know that death is all around us. So when you meet someone, and I want you to share this when we come back from break, when you meet someone, they say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. Like I've lost someone, whether well, it's been one month, one week, one year, and I need some help. You know, what what is the, one of the first things you say to someone like that? We got to go to break, but share with us um, about that because this is something that's extremely important to me. And I know that, you know, even with the last year with dealing with the worldwide pandemic, so many people have lost loved ones. And everyone doesn't die and saying, hey, we're going to die next week. You know, it happens abruptly and people are struggling. So with what you do, I know that you have a solution, not the only solution I know, but definitely a very viable one to really help millions. So tell us a little about that when we come back from break. Is that okay? Yes, sounds great. All right. All right, everyone. This is Tawanda with Clutch by RGAA, and we'll be right back. Do you have a product, brand, or service that you want to advertise on our platform? Well, look no further. Send us an email to realgirlfriends7 at gmail.com. That's realgirlfriends, the number 7, at gmail.com to place your advertisement here. Become a patron of Clutch by the Real Girlfriends Across America. By supporting creators you love on Patreon, you're becoming an active participant in their creative process. As a member, you receive exclusive content, community access, behind-the-scenes updates, and the pride of viewing work that matters to you. Joining is easy. Visit patreon.com backslash Real Girlfriends Across America. That's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com backslash Real Girlfriends Across America. Every donation helps.
All right, and we are back. And this is Tawanda with Clutch by RGAA, powered by Building Rome. And today I'm definitely just really honored, humbled, and privileged to be here with Chris and Boyle talking about her life, her journey, being a yoga therapist, a somatic coach, and what led her up into doing this, and now how today she's able to professionally help millions of others across the globe. Chris, and once again, thank you so much for investing time to be here today with us. And I'm going to turn the call back over to you because um, I'm over here in student mode. I'm taking notes, and I definitely want to continue to hear everything you have to say. Having me, Tawanda. Um, I, before the break, you asked me um, what to say to someone who's going through something really challenging. And I think this is one of the, the hardest things to do or to know how to answer. Um, so often we go into fix it mode. And, and I just want everyone listening to take a step back and know that if you're going into fix it mode or solution mode, or you want to give advice, um, all of that is actually to, to help you. It's to make you feel better, to keep you safe rather than helping the other person who's actually hurting. And, and so it's, and I think uh, we talk about it a lot is that I can never know what you are going through. And I always hold that perspective. And so just one example, I mean, when, when somebody reaches out to me and says, I think I need to work with you, my first response is, yay, I'm excited and thank you and I'm sorry. Because if someone's asking to work with me, then they're going through something hard. Right, and so first and foremost, I need to acknowledge that and and to say, I'm sorry you're going through what you are. You know, I'm sorry you're experiencing what you are. I'm sorry you're feeling all the things that you are. And really, being able to say that from a place of compassion and realization that I I don't know what exactly they're going through or how they're responding to it, um, but they're needing support. And so very, very simply, just letting them know that I'm sorry you're going through that, um, I think is the best place to start. And then as you get more information from them, if they ask you for help or if they ask you for advice um, or give you a specific way that they could be supported, then you can step forward. Um, But I really do feel that as a culture, we need to step back from trying to fix or give advice or give solutions in those cases. Okay. You know, one of the things I was thinking about just now is, and I know that everyone can relate to this, like when you're a kid and you're growing up, what we're told is go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a great job with benefits, start a business, and, you know, everyone wants that that house with the white picket fences and you want a certain type of life. And there's always a quote unquote plan for the future. This is what you're supposed to do. So when we're five years old and then 10 years old and then 18 years old, we know what the next step is, Kristen, right? We, we know what the path is. Mm-hmm. However, when someone suffers with grief or loss, that's not a clear path unless you are seeking a professional like yourself to help you, put things into focus, you know, what happens to get your life back on track? How does a person work to become back happy again? Do you mind sharing with us about maybe a difficult 
and I know, of course, this is confidentiality situation, um, maybe about a situation that may have been very difficult for someone and how you had to help them kind of get back on track a little bit. Yeah, and I can I can explain from my own personal experience. I don't mind. Um, I already mentioned that I went through a pretty difficult divorce situation, and so much of it is to have patience with your own self and patience with your own process. Um, when you're going through something that difficult, and and here's part of the thing is that the mind is trying to rationalize and logic your way through and unfortunately the grief process as you've already explained is is kind of a loop-de-loop it's a roller coaster with twists and turns and ups and downs and sometimes it feels like you're taking three steps back before you move forward and it it is its own process and and it's a process or a, a thing that shows up you know over and over and over again as we move forward um I think often the mind says, oh, I should be beyond this by now. I should be back to work. I should be finishing school. I should be doing all of this. And, and those thoughts are actually not very helpful to the process because we have to honor uh, that the process has its own timing and its own path. It's not a, a step one, two, three, and then you're done kind of path. And, and so in my work, when I work with my clients, what I'm teaching them are rather practices to implement and use in those times when, you know, when things get difficult, when things get challenging, when you, um, you may have gone to work and, and just had like foggy brain, like I just can't focus today. I don't know why, but I can't focus. And it may be related to your own process. Um, and unfortunately, the more you try to fight it, the harder it becomes. And so sometimes it requires a little bit of a step back and forgiveness for yourself to say, today I'm really struggling. And then asking for the appropriate support. You know, I recognize if someone's in a, a job and having to make the sale and having to meet the, you know, the budget for, for that month or whatever it is, you can't always fully step back. But where can you give yourself some relief? Um, and I think that's, that's vital to anyone going through a healing process. Definitely. I definitely agree. You know, there's been so many different ways people handle and deal with stuff and they don't seek help. Tell me about with what you do, what are some of the ideal, I don't really want to say ideal candidates, but I know when you have a specific profession or niche, there are certain people that want to come see you. So what are some of the types of clients that you've had in the past? Have they all been yeah, in relation to uh, grieving or what types? You know, I, I tend to work with a variety. Um, even me being a single mom, having gone through divorce, of course I do attract um, a lot of women who are going through the same process because it helps to have a therapist who's been there, you know, and who, who understands and knows. However, I also um, work with people who have lost a family member or a loved one and are going through that grief process. Um, I also work with people who have anxiety or depression and are, are working through that. Um, I tend to work mostly with women and um, I do have some male clients. It's just, I think it, it, it's just that my nature kind of aligns mostly with women and 
than some men, you know, so I, it's not that I say exclusively with women. That's just kind of where I tend to, to gravitate or pull in towards me. Um, but a lot of the, my clients have been to a therapist at some point in their life and yet are still feeling or sensing that they're stuck. Like there's something else, there's something that's not moving forward. Um, or I'm telling and retelling the same story over and over and over again. And I just don't seem to be getting beyond it. Um, and so my approach is just such a different approach that it can either be complementary to what someone's doing in talk therapy, or it can just be a complete shift. Um, so I have okay. a lot of people who, who work both with a therapist and with me, which if you're really working with a clinical diagnosis and especially medicated for that, then I do require that you're still under the guidance of, of your therapist. Right. And, okay. and then my, my method becomes complementary, but it be standalone too, because not everybody needs, what a talk therapist offers. Some people just need support. So, yeah. Now, is this is this something that someone has for the rest of their life? Is are someone on a twelve week type? Hey, you're gonna work with me for twelve weeks and you're gonna be good. How does that? Or do you do some type of assessment to determine how long the person may need to be able to retain your services? Yeah, it it really depends on the person. I I do encourage everyone to start with an eight-week program with me, which I call the Blueprint to Thrive. Um, And and in that, um, there is a bit of a learning curve because you are learning tools and practices to apply and implement in your life, right? So so Mm -hmm. it's not just a one-and-done kind of deal. Um, So I do encourage everyone to start with eight weeks as the first commitment and then we assess we assess along the way is it working how is it working i have many different tools that i can bring to the the process and the practice and everybody's different in terms of being able to even begin to sense what you're feeling in your body some people know Mm -hmm. and some people don't know and it doesn't have anything to do with if you've been to a yoga class or if you're an athlete or if you are not an athlete, you know, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just how do you relate to your own body? And that's our first step um, because first you need to start sensing. Sometimes we have pain in our bodies and our, we're just go, go, go in our lives so much that we don't recognize it. So the first thing is cl- calming down, slowing down, and recognizing what your body is actually feeling. And, um, and so, yeah, starting with the eight weeks, we check in. Um, I can vary our sessions. You know, I like to do week by week, but we can spread it out even further if needed. And then I have a lot of clients who have been working with me for a few years, and, and that's really their choice. You know, they've, they've seen benefits, and they feel that meeting with me on a regular basis helps refresh the practice and helps them to deepen the practice. But, again, it's, it's up to the individual, like I feel like this is a co-creative process. You know, I'm not, I am not the wisdom holder. I facilitate you into your own wisdom. And that includes your own wisdom about how we continue working together. Um, And I also offer lots of, I have a free workshop every single month where you can get an introduction, but I invite anyone to come to it. I find it important to make this work accessible. Um, I also offer, you know, workshops that are one day, um, I do some group support work that is also financially more accessible than the one-on-one type work, but it all depends on what you need, you know, and where you want to dive in. 
Okay. Now, is any of this virtually due to the worldwide situation going on, or how is that <laughs> yes. doing? Yeah, actually, all of my work is virtual, and it's okay. interesting because I did I did have a small in-person practice before the pandemic, but most of my clients were already virtual because I, I reached oh, wow. beyond my borders. I'm in Denver, Colorado, but I, I work okay. with people across the country, in Canada, a few clients in Europe, um, and even Asia I've worked with. Time zones are a little bit more tricky. Incredible. But, um, yeah, and that's one thing that I absolutely love is is that I feel like this work has translated very well to the online kind of forum. So, yeah. Awesome. Now, tell me, I, of course, I know everyone listening has heard about yoga. You know, can you break down some of the differences, like, with a yoga therapist and doing actual yoga? Um, can you kind mm-hmm. of differentiate the difference yeah absolutely and I think that is one of the things that our commercialized practice of yoga in the west has has almost given us a um, a deceived look of what yoga actually is Um, yoga therapy is more the intentional um, application of the tools of yoga which include movement meditation breath work um, all the various tools for the individual's healing, so therapeutically. Um, in a yoga class, and it's interesting, I had a conversation about this with a friend who's a yoga teacher yesterday who said, I had a woman in my class who was very visibly going through a lot of anxiety, having a hard time settling, um, and even apologized after class to her. And so my friend was saying, can I refer her to you? And, yes, that's absolutely how it works is that yoga is healing. Yoga is wonderful. You can go to a yoga class and do some of the work. And if you're going through something really big and and more in-depth, requiring a little bit more one-on-one attention, that's where the yoga therapy really, really comes in. because as a yoga teacher holding space for, you know, what is it, five to 30, sometimes even more people in your class, um, mm-hmm. you can't attend to that one person who needs a little bit more support. And so that's where that's right. um, stepping into a yoga therapy type relationship can be really helpful. And and really it's about the personal touch because what you're doing with therapy is catering to each person individually and seeing what their specific needs are. And that sometimes is what mm-hmm. we need, that one oh one type situation. Now do you would you ever do a group session though? Like could you be hired if there's a group um that's taking yoga and they say, Hey, we need a therapist to come in because we have a similar type of situation. Is that something you're able to do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And and as part of my offering, I do group work. So I'm I'm just now launching an eight week series for it's women supporting women for anxiety and depression. And um, and I do that because when you work in a group, the group dynamics can hold and support the individual in a different way, especially when it's very specific, like anxiety and depression. We're all in this together, right? Um, mm-hmm and not as general as a typical yoga class, but it also makes it a little bit more um, financially affordable if that's a factor for someone, because working one-on-one, of course, is another leap and an investment, and 
you know, I can say it's a very valuable investment, but then we also have the very real situation of our own budget. So, um, Absolutely. so I do, I, I really enjoy working with groups and sometimes someone will do the group course and then say, you know what, I want a deeper dive. I want to sign up to do some individual sessions. And sometimes the Absolutely. individual sessions, somebody will, will say, okay, I want some group experience. Um, it's really empowering to know you're not the only one feeling what you're feeling. Absolutely. That is definitely, definitely yeah. incredible. And and so, and you merge in the somatic coaching with this, and this is all one mm-hmm. process. Yeah. It's all together. Yeah, Are yeah. You? And so, so as we're moving through um, any kind of movement, so it's not going to be yoga asana like you get at the studio, especially if you're used to like a power vinyasa type style. It's more like we'll do one, I call them shapes, um, I might mm-hmm. tell you to step a foot forward and bend your knee deeply. You know, you could call that a warrior one pose, but I don't use that language. I just simply tell you, and then you get to interpret what that means. Step one foot forward, bend your knee deeply. You know, now lean in that direction. What are you noticing? And so we slow it way down. Like, what are you noticing as you lean in that direction? Now step forward two feet together and turn in a new direction. You know, and and notice how your body responds to turning in a new direction. And so that's just a very basic sample, but your mind is going to start making connections there. You know, am I needing to turn in a new direction in my life? Or, you know, you may have something that you're thinking in your mind and you turn your body and your mind goes, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to be there. And then you turn back, you know. And so ultimately the way that I I guide, and especially in the group, group sessions, um, is a very open-ended and open to your own interpretation and meaning-making so that you're making your own connections. Um, and it's very empowering because throughout the entire thing, the entire class, you have choice. You have choice to go deeper. You have choice to back away. You have choice to sit down. You know, and, and I make sure that everyone knows that. And, and the only component that I require is that you notice what choice you're making. Mm. Amazing. I got three more questions and I'm definitely going to leave the floor <laughs> oh, to you because I could be asking you all this all day because I I already have a sense of just peace and relaxation. So tell me with, with um, the profession that you're in, what type of credentials is required to become a yoga therapist and somatic coach? It's a fantastic question and it's always a place of conversation. Um, yoga is an interesting bucket. It, it kind of missed the licensure piece when massage therapy started becoming licensed. So every state has Mm -hmm. some regulations. Um, I am certified with the International Alliance of Yoga Therapists, and their requirement is a thousand hours of training with a school that they certify. And so that's the credential system that, that I have bought into. There are quite a few, um, if anyone who's listening is curious about yoga therapy, I do encourage you to always ask what the credentials are, what the training is, and really have an understanding of the person because there are trainings out there that are like a weekend training, and then they say, okay, now you're a yoga therapist. And unfortunately, that's not nearly enough training. Um, to me, it's a lifelong of training, and so I'm not even sure if a 1,000 hours is enough to put a stamp on somebody, except I can say I've got you know, 
way more than that because of my lifelong journey with yoga and with studying. Um, and, and so that's, that's the main thing. And, and that's, but that's also why, you know, I'm, I'm certified and fully trained all of this, but I also always preface that if you are working with a mental health provider, a, you know, a, a counselor or a psychologist, psychotherapist, um, psychiatrist, and you have a clinical diagnosis, then it is imperative that you're still under their guidance. You know, whether they say, yeah, go work with Kristen and come see me in six weeks, or whether they say, yeah, work with Kristen and I want to see you every week. Um, you know, okay. it's, it's imperative that if, if you're really working with something in, in that category, then you have the right support. And so my okay. work is complementary to it. Um, but, Absolutely. yeah, like I said, not everybody needs, you know, we don't all go to psychiatrists. Sometimes we just need some tools and skills to handle life stresses a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, okay. it kind of runs the gamut. I, I like how you put the last sentence about um, not everyone has to go to a psychiatrist. Sometimes you kind of want to find that happy medium because, you know, honestly, Krista, and I know you know this more than anyone, you know, a lot of times people have a, a negative connotation about talking to anyone. I'm not crazy. I'm not talking yeah. to anyone. <laughs> right, so, um, right. And this it, sounds like what well, you, you – I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I, I was just going to say, and for that person, you know, at least working with me could be the first step. And, and if they do need, um, you know, to talk to someone, a licensed mental health person, then I can help them – guide guide themselves into that knowing without the shame that they're putting on themselves for needing it. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that could be the entry point to them getting more help if needed. Absolutely. Because you got to start somewhere. And talking to you can be a good exactly. start because it also could be the difference in leveling things out because sometimes we think something is terrible, but it may not be as bad as we think. But the, the most important right. thing is just not going through by yourself. Everyone needs someone exactly. at some point in time. So um, no, I'm yes, with you. Absolutely. I'm with you 110%. And this yeah, is a random um, question. A, a friend of mine. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, oh, there you go. I was just going to say a friend of mine said, said the other day, it was so beautiful. She said, um, when we allow ourselves to be witnessed in our vulnerability, then we can also allow ourselves to be carried by the collective. And that makes that heaviness of whatever we're going through, grief, anxiety, depression, um, a little bit lighter. And mm. I really believe that, you know, just being witness. Can you repeat that one more time? Is, is powerful. Oh, yeah. Um, when we allow ourselves to be witnessed in our vulnerability, then we also open ourselves up to being carried along by the collective to make that burden a little bit lighter. Mm. Yeah. Who would mind lightening a burden? That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is amazing. Just a little bit. Absolutely. Because like guess that, what? Uh, people it? have heavy burdens. Yeah. <laughs> Go and, ahead. And it feels heavy, right? Like if you mm-hmm. really tap into your body and you're going through something difficult, you'll notice your shoulders sag. It feels heavy. Like there's something to that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Man, I'm definitely um, excited about that. And I have to ask you, we only have about 10 more minutes. So I could literally talk all day and ask questions. <laughs> but this is a this is a completely off the wall. Well, it's not really off the wall. 
we're just going to go back to when you were nine years old really quickly. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I'm sure it probably wasn't a yoga therapist. So what was it? Or was it? <laughs> you know, I've been asked that question before, and I think I wanted to be a unicorn. <laughs> I mean, just to throw I it love out there. unicorns. Yeah, unicorn, Pegasus, you know, anything anything magical. Um, I was such in so much in my own magical world. Um, you know, and I think especially after daddy passed away, like I really see myself even at the age of twelve when some of my friends were getting interested in boys and things, I was I was diving into my comic books and my fantasy world. And so um so in terms of what I wanted to be when I grew up I, I don't really know. I think I just really? had this magical thinking and and feeling that I would just get there <laughs> somehow. Yeah, but I, wow. I never, I mean, I know that I said at some point I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, but those were never fantasies of, of like, yeah, I'm going to go for this. You know, I think I just okay. trusted the process. Gotcha. Well, that's that's definitely amazing. And now when you look at your life today, and what you're doing, how are you feeling about it? What do you think? Did you think, like, okay, now I'm here and I'm loving it? Um, what What are your thoughts in reference to where you are right now in life? Yeah, I feel like this is my path. This is my work. This is what, um, you know, over the years people have said, you're so good at this. You're so calming. You're so compassionate. You know, um, even some people have backed away from me saying, I feel seen. And that scares me, you know, and, and I'm, I really have to respond. It's because I kind of do see, like I, I take in a lot. Um, I think that's why the, the movement, the yoga therapy is so, so um, it so speaks to me because I, I see those little, you know, gestures of the body and movement and um, I can really, you know, kind of understand where it's coming from. And so I, I do feel like I've, I finally made it <laughs> to my life's work and my life's purpose, and it feels really good. That's amazing. Tell us what's next for you as you look towards the future. And well, let me let me give you a side. Let me ask a quick sidebar. This is kind of going to be off the wall again. And I and we ran out of time. I don't know why the time won't stop, Kristen. So I got I got <laughs> to get you. I want to know what's next for you, right? I want to, I want you to tell us a little bit in the next seven minutes about the future. However, I need you to tell me. How, well, I can't be selfish. I need you to tell us, how has COVID affected you, your life, your business? How has it shaped your business goals and how you're moving forward? Can you just take like a minute to address COVID in in that retrospect? Yeah, I think um, just like we started the conversation, um, I did have some clients in person but I had more clients on Zoom, and so just shifting online is actually helping me um, make real my my long-term goal, which is to be able to be independent of location. You know, I can be anywhere in the world, which would enable me to see clients all over the world because I can see them virtually, but also offer, you know, in-person workshops wherever I go. So I can I can kind of travel to different locations and um, and work with people personally um, and then also virtually and that's where I'd like to go um, I do have two kids who are 12 and almost 16 
And so I have a few more years of just staying put where I am and and helping them until they're ready to explore the world on their own. And so, um, yeah, so I'm just hoping to move towards that that goal, being able to be wherever okay. I am, which means wherever they are too. You know, if they choose Absolutely. to move away, I can I can go see them. You know, and spend Absolutely. as much time as I want to there. Yeah. And that's what life is about. Being able to live it on your terms, being able to enjoy it, being able to be flexible, and definitely being able to be mm-hmm. and have joy. So as we close mm-hmm. out today, because we only have a couple of minutes left, I want to turn the show back over to you, Chris, and to feed us. Give us something. If you take a couple of minutes and anyone that's listening that may be struggling, that may be looking to find their purpose, that may be going through, that may not know why in the world they should hire um, to hire a yoga therapist, you know, give us give us something because this is what our podcast is about, about self-help, about healing, about personal development, about becoming your greatest self. And I know that, you know, we all need to have that positivity. So if you don't mind, whatever you want to close out with, um, just give it to us. We're ready. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, I'll, I'll just give you a little brief taste of what I do. I call it embodied mindfulness. Um, for embodied living. And so if anyone who is listening can just take a seat, sit up tall or stand and stand tall. If it is appropriate and safe for you, you can close your eyes. If not, just try to take a soft gaze so you are looking at something but kind of blurring out your vision. And then I want you to take a deep breath in and just notice that breath as you inhale. And then release the breath through your mouth as you exhale. And just take a moment to notice with that one breath, focusing on that breath with the most curiosity that you have. It's the most interesting thing in this moment. Take a few more breaths just like that. Was I supposed to be doing that right now? <laughs> yeah. Go for oh, it. man. Go for it. Yeah. And then, so one of the concepts that I work with too is that we have our ego mind self, and then we have this greater part of ourselves, which you could call your higher consciousness. You know, this could be, you know, where your concept of God comes in. Um, but as you inhale part, of, well, when we go through daily life, we almost disconnect from that part of ourselves. And so as you inhale, it's almost this visual of I'm breathing myself, that higher self, back to myself. And then as I exhale, I'm just landing here, right? And so you, you really are working to make that connection to that higher guidance system or that wisdom or that God within yourself. So, yeah, just enjoy that practice whenever you're ready. Of course, you'll open your eyes and look around, come back to your surroundings wherever you are. Could be busy, hectic, you know, space could be really clear and calm. But just see if anything shifts for you as you move forward from here. Hmm. And thank you for practicing, Tawanda. <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was like a trance in your voice. Oh, my God. Uh, mm. Yeah, definitely. I have always been interested um, in doing yoga. I've heard about how relaxing it is. And, and now after meeting you and everything that you do, I'm definitely going to be immersing into finding out everything I can to see how I can have more relaxation into my life. So, um, Kristen, how can people reach you? 
Yeah, absolutely. How can but, people um, yeah. find out how they can get in touch with you, how they can hire you, be a part of your network? Talk to me. Yes, I'm on all social media, <laughs> Kristen Boyle Embodied Living, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, my website is embodiedliving.academy, and all of those places you can easily send me a message or schedule. I have links to schedule just a, I call it a transformational conversation, but it doesn't have to be that big. It's just a casual chat. Um, I have, as I said, a free workshop third Thursday of every month. Sign up for through my website. I also have my next workshop is called Stop Shooting on Yourself. Um, so if that interests you, there's that. I have an eight-week um, course for women who are dealing with anxiety and depression. Um, I also have lots of freebies out there. So I'm, I'm very generous on SoundCloud and through my website with different um, 21 days of gratitude practice, a meditation practice, a yoga nidra practice. So um, whatever is, is right for you, I invite anyone to get in touch with me. Absolutely. Well, people love freebies, and one of the best things I like about freebies is it means you're so confident in what you do, you're willing to give and to share. And when we get that, just like the freebie you just gave here on the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely you're good at what you do. And when <laughs> someone's ready to hire, they want to go to someone that invests in their people and that they know from that two minutes that you're good at what you do. Kristen, thank you. Thank you for everything. <laughs> Thank you for your time, and um, thank you for the service of being able to help millions of people across the globe. And whether you're already helping millions, uh, it doesn't matter, because I know that you're going to definitely touch the lives of so many. And I just really hope that anyone listening to our show, if you're just feeling like talking to someone, regardless of what's going on in your life, hey, reach out to Kristen and see, hey, I just want to have a conversation, uh, whether you want to retain the services or not, because everyone needs someone. All right, all right, all right. And that is it, and we are out of time. As always, <laughs> this is Tawanda with Clutch by RGAA. Today we're talking to Kristen Boyle, and as she said, she's all over social media, so please make sure that you reach out to her, book a consultation, tell a friend that tells a friend that tells another friend, and see how you can today get on the journey to being happy again. Until the next time, Kristen, again, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Clutch, a podcast by real girlfriends across America. Clutch onto us tight by following us on all of our social media platforms. This includes Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Like, share, and follow us. Did you miss the episode? Don't worry. You can listen to us anywhere where podcasts are being played, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Speaker. Don't forget to watch us on YouTube by searching for Real Girlfriends Across America and visit our website at www.realgirlfriends.org. And until next time, clutch on to your best friend and stay tuned.